right. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm one of your hosts, Corbin Heller. And we are back at it with regular scheduled business, uh, talking about two regular regular movies. We are talking about the 2021 release uh, Mortal Kombat and the uh, 1998 cult classic The Big Lebowski. Uh, Corwin, you ready to dive in here? Yeah, dude. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to say before we got started, which is I actually I took my own advice from last week and sat down and watched the um, four of the five best live action short films from the Oscars this season. Okay. Um, the only one I couldn't watch was The Letter Room because I couldn't find it anywhere but this very specific seeming streaming app that required you to like sign up for a membership for six bucks a month and I'm like, fuck you entirely. So I didn't watch that one, but I did watch Two Distant Strangers, Feeling Through, The Present, and White Eye. Um which were all very interesting, and I probably wouldn't have picked Tootis and Strangers as my pick. I probably, it's it's an easy pick to say would have won, and no shit, it did. Um, I might have gone with either Feeling Through or The Present, but uh, a really good slate of picks. Next week, I'm going to try to watch all the best animated short films, but um, everything I watched was good, and I didn't watch The Letter Room. So there you go. Took my own advice. Now you got to take it, bitch. Touche. Not speaking to anybody in particular there. <laughs> I took it personally anyway. You should. You, you know, you are a bitch. Um, I'm aware. Bitch. All right. Uh, um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start in, the, in, in California or do you want to start in wherever the fuck Mortal Kombat takes place? I want to start with the Big Lebowski. All right, we'll start with the the large Lebowski. Um, all right, Big Lebowski came out in 1998. It was written and directed by Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen. It stars Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, amongst many others like Steve Buscemi, Philip Seymour Hoffman. The list goes on. Flea is in this movie. Um, yeah, and and he has like lines. It's fun. It's estimated Always budget. forget that that's Flea because yeah. I only know him as like the character from the Big Lebowski. I like never really watched the Red Hot Chili Peppers like visually, so I only know him as the character from the Big Lebowski, who happens to be a rock star. Yeah, just just casually is one of the greatest bassists of all time. Casually, um, it's estimated budget. It's $15 million, and its cumulative worldwide gross was $46 million. Now, this is considered something of a cult classic because its opening weekend gross for the U.S. Um, was only $5 million. And then its gross in the entirety of the U.S. till, I guess, today is only $18 million. So it has made its budget back, um, and it's tripled its budget combining you know world revenues but this was not a successful movie when it released and gained a lot more success after the fact um, hence the term cult classic so uh, those numbers are not surprising even though this is considered nowadays a very good movie um it has no major award wins nor nominations uh and this film is about 
Jeff the Dude Lebowski gets mistaken for a millionaire of the same name, seeks restitution for his ruined rug, and enlists his bowling buddies to help get it. Uh, Corwin, this was your pick, so you get us started. Uh, yeah, so I, I kind of broached this as, you know, in the last episode as my famous favorite comedy ever. And boy, does it still hold true, even though this was like the 15th time I've seen it. Um, it just has that X factor. It has that je ne sais quoi that just tickles me pink every time I watch it. I mean, we always talk about like what makes a film special. What like Even if it's made perfectly, you have no complaints. Even if there's nothing you would change, it can still fall short by just not having that it factor. And this just has it in spades i mean it's so well written um there's actually only one phrase in the entire film that's improvised uh everything else word for word every dude every man every pause is scripted and it's jeff or john goodman i should say calling the dude a human paraquat that's the only improvised line in the entire film which is phenomenal I mean, I adore the Coen brothers. I think this is their uh, piece de resistance. And oh God, it again, I just can't say enough great things about it. And I would just sit here quoting it all day if I could. I, I love this movie. I would have a hard time saying this is the Coen brothers' best movie. <laughs> they um, have a lot of really, I really good movies. can't argue that point. I really can't. It just happens to be my favorite, and that's just I, – I can't not say that. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, this was a movie that I hated as a kid because really? – oh, yeah, and I mean, like, again, this goes back to the fact that Josh watches a lot of movies um, in his youth that, like, normal kids didn't watch. Mm. So I probably saw this movie when I was, like, eight. Um and I just like I just didn't get it. Like, because what's great about this movie is that no two things, no two plot lines, ever actually connect in any way. And that's what makes this movie so fucking great is that literally nothing is connected. <laughs> and which is what leads to so much of the confusion and 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 the the joy and hilarity in this film is that literally. No two thing, no two reason, no two characters or sub or groups of characters that Jeff Bridges interacts with are interacting with him for the same reason. They're all separate, and that pissed me off when I was a kid <laughs> because I didn't get it. And now this is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but when I was a kid, this movie used to drive me up a wall. <laughs> but that's what that's what gives it. It's such you know, unique and special. Again, I don't want to keep saying Je ne sais quoi or X Factor, but like that's what makes it so fun. Is like the dude's just kind of coasting through life. He's just you know a a bag in the wind, just kind of flowing through life, and he's just happen happening to interact with all these wild different people. And it's no, I it's I would great. I would very strongly disagree with that point. The dude is actively participating in all the things that are happening, and this this movie plays like a film noir. This plays like the Maltese Falcon, except nothing is related. Everything is ridiculous. And all the actors are fully irrational. <laughs> like the I dude is actively participating and making his own points, making his own um, 
plot lines happen in some ways. The whole reason this movie takes place is that he goes down to the big Lebowski's house to demand money and compensation for the rug that then puts the seed of the idea of um, kind of foisting this whole money scheme onto the dude uh, because he wants money for the rug. And if he didn't actively do that, there's good reason to think the rest of this movie never would have even happened. Uh, I well, I do agree that, yes, he is an active participant in these actions. The idea of him flowing and like floating through life is by all means still, I think, fitting. I mean, up until him as a this, character, him this as a movie person, starts, yes, him even going through a lot of the, you know, storylines is like him just trying to get through it and uh, get his rug. But I do think a lot of things in this film would have still happened if it wasn't for him going to jeffrey lebowski's house oh interesting tell me what because they still return to his house later on the two goons flee they're still aware of who he is and i still think the very active the dude being a a tangent to lebowski is enough for him to get drawn in again um but the only reason that the two guys from the beginning came back is because he had entrenched himself and starting to dig around into the backstories and ongoings and wheelings and dealings of Jackie Treehorn because those two dudes right. were for Jackie Treehorn. And I'm not saying it would still maintain the same structure and plot line. I'm just saying there would be a detour that would bring everything back and involve him again. I just don't think that there would, because the only reason he ended up getting involved with the Jackie Treehorn subplot is that he got involved with, I forget Julianne Moore's character's name, Maud. Yes. Um, and the only reason he got involved with Maud is because he got the rug, stole the rug, I guess, from the Big Lebowski's place, and Maud wanted to get the rug back because she, it was her rug that she had given to her dad. Do you know who her character is based on? No, who? Yoko Ono. Oh my God. Okay. I see it. Yeah. I just, I'm, I love reading through the trivia on this film. It's so much fun. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. But like, I, I think, I think we're hitting on like the same points, which is that, cause that's what makes this movie such a good ride is that there's enough random shit that really has nothing to do with Jeff Bridges going on here. Mm -hmm. But there's also enough shit that Jeff Bridges is actively doing that it's not just him meandering about and goofy shit happens to him. There is a through line of him actively trying to achieve certain things and just unlocking more levels of insanity. Like he walks into a guy's house with mm -hmm. an iron lung and interrogates his son about his homework. <laughs> It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. <laughs> it's an honor. Wrote 156 of 157 episodes of the TV show. Fucking, what was it called? It was like... Bulk of the series, Bondage. dude. Bondage or something like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Walter Subject. I like to think that the guy that uh, gives Denzel Washington cocaine in flight is... Walter Sobjek is like it's the same character just 10 years 15 years later sure I'm with it oh, I love it I wanted to see what were some of the top ones um, before every scene Jeff Bridges would 
ask the Coen brothers, uh, did the dude burn one on the way over as a way to, you know, base himself in the scene? And if so, he would just rub his eyes with his knuckles to get them all red. Yeah. Uh, almost all of the dude's clothes in the movie were just Jeff Bridges' own clothes, and he still wears the uh, shirt and his sandals all the time. Yeah, that oh, is that is one of my favorite things about this movie player. is that this is basically just Jeff Bridges with a plot. <laughs> like this, this character is essentially just Jeff Bridges. Well, I mean, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your ass on Saturday, but now I'll fuck your ass on Wednesday instead. <laughs> <laughs> Eight-year-olds, dude. That's what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Uh, the baseball player on the dude's uh, shirt is uh, Kaoru Beto, the inaugural KPL player or inaugural MVP of the KPL. Right on. Ah, Baseball podcast. Baseball box. Yeah, go check out Juicing the Numbers. Um. I really, I like didn't take any notes. So what's great about this movie is that it moves really fast. Um, There is a constant churn of information. This is not a slow drip of a movie. (laughs) You know, Corin and I will often talk about films that do like a really great job of dishing out just enough information on what is otherwise a pretty simplistic plot so that you can still maintain a level of intrigue while not giving away the whole show, you know, 20 minutes in. This film doesn't. This film is a non-stop series of events, new characters, and information to the point where it's almost a little bit overwhelming. Like, by the time you get to the, um, the private investigator, Mm-hmm. you're like oh my god how and like he mentions bunny's family and they don't even go down that rabbit hole of like their whole backstory which they honestly kind of could have and this like this they if in a different time this would might have ended up being an hbo miniseries um because mm-hmm. there's that much depth in the moving parts of what's happening here but it doesn't feel long it doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel like they tried to do too much with it. It's it's exceedingly well paced, for especially for how much gets done there. And I think that's part of its charm is it really just feels like a guy going through his day, and it just so happens that at no point during the day does he ever sit down and and not have anything to do it's like imagine the satisfaction of going through an uber productive day where you're out running errands you're doing everything you get home the end of the day and you could just sit back relax take a bath smoke a roach and you're like man i got so much done today it's like all right i just sat through a two-hour movie and like 30 things happened i am not really confused in any way and i'm just sitting here happy i watched it I'm satisfied. It's pure satisfaction. Just nihilist, Donnie. Nothing to be afraid of. (laughs) These men are cowards. (laughs) (laughs) We believe in nothing. Oh, man. Yeah. And what's great is that everyone's motivations. Like during the fight, that's just like punching the air, just saying, (laughs) I fuck you. you. I fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) 
what's what's great also about everyone's motivations is that they're not <laughs> deep, they're not complex, and you get what they're getting at, even though they're incredibly stupid. Like oh, yeah. the Big Lebowski, you know, not Jeff Bridges, in, in case you've never seen this movie, the Big Lebowski. He he just wants an excuse to like not have to deal with his wife anymore. Um like that and, and that's it. He's hoping that she's gone for real, not really questioning it, posing it like this so that if she's like mysteriously, dis- mysteriously disappears, he won't get like looked at very hard and um pin any wrongdoing or misgivings on the dude. The nihilists just want money. Maud just wants her carpet back. Uh Walter just wants to help but like way too much um i mean everyone's everyone's reason for doing anything here is very simplistic and that's what makes the outlandishness and that's also what helps make the movie easy to follow like if there was you know layers upon layers upon layers of motivations and rationale and then you know the reason bonnie's actual bunny is actually gone is she just like went to go fuck off for a weekend with her friends and just didn't tell anybody because she didn't care um, shout out to Tara Reed being in this and back when she was relevant. Um, but I miss relevant Tara Reed, she was fun. And that's just like your opinion, man. Uh, <laughs> but you know, again, this this movie thrives off of its complex simplicity, which again is like the point of the movie, which really doesn't land or didn't land for me until like the third or fourth time I watched this because. Mm-hmm. If you were to watch it and I didn't tell you that none of these things in any way line up to anything else, it might actually not land <laughs> that that's what happens. Kelly and I were talking about right. after the movie because it was her first time seeing it. And literally Maud's not didn't communicate with any of the other actors in this film. The Big Lebowski didn't communicate with any of the other actors in this film. The Nihilist didn't communicate with any of the other actors in the fucking Bunny didn't communicate with any of the other actors in this film. The private investigator didn't. Like, nobody, the the kid whose homework they found in the car, nobody is connected in this well, movie at all. In, in like, in like a planned the out. The kid doesn't like, speak to anybody. Oh, yeah, the kid doesn't speak to the soul. But. <laughs> Jackie Treehorn doesn't, doesn't communicate week. with anybody. Like, like they're, they're all related in like a weird you know, string and thumbtack situation on a, on a, on a cork board, but no one's actually related in terms of how this all goes down. It is just a big series of massively un, uncoordinated events all unfolding at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love it so much. Yeah. It's absurd. It's absurd in the best way possible. What is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. I'm staying. What do you do for recreation? Oh, the usual. I bowl, drive around, the occasional acid flashback. <laughs> yeah, a little of this, a little of that, a little of what have you. <laughs> or like the, Nobody fucks with the Jesus. The, the shocked look on Eagles. his face when he, when he asks, are you employed, sir? Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> do you do you, you don't go out looking for a job dressed like that on a weekday? Uh, this is, is a, a weekday. What what day is this? Oh God! 
this will not stand, you know. This aggression will not stand, man. So fucking bad this movie. I one of my Josh, favorite jokes. You, but sooner or later, you're gonna have to face the fact that you're a goddamn moron. One of my favorite jokes <laughs> in the movie is when he's at Jackie Treehorns and Jackie Treehorn gets a call and like oh, he like yes. scribbles something on a notepad, tears the page off and leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeffrey just goes up to it. He's like, shit, it must have been something really important. He does that thing where you use the side of the pencil to try to, you know, ease out like you shade impression. over. Yeah, you shade over to get the impression of what was just written down. <laughs> it's just a guy with a giant cock. <laughs> He just said that and shoot a guy with a dick and then acted like it was important just to give the, the medication enough time, you know, to the roofie enough time to kick in on Jeff Bridges. But fuck, man. <laughs> when he, he's, and then he, he gets halfway through and he sees it's a dick, but he's like, no, there must be more. And just keeps going and there's not. And he just looks so confused. And then he has to sprint back and get back into his casual position. One of my other favorite subtle things in this film, not that that's subtle, but one of my favorite subtle things in this film is um, Jeff Bridges gets tossed out of the taxi because he hates the Eagles. And I just had a long day, man. I hate the fucking Eagles. Yeah, because the Eagles suck. But um, what is the song when we, in- we get introduced to De Jesus? I have n- Oh. It's a Spanish rendition of Hotel California. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I was playing it in my head and was like, but it it, it doesn't sound, uh, uh, oh, uh, just pure confusion. Whew. Yeah, which is a joke that wouldn't, not maybe not a joke, but like a character trait or a reference that you're not going to get until, you know, like 45 minutes later in the movie. But um, great, great reference. What do you think about the um, the two like trippy um, hallucination scenes in this movie. Um, I'll be honest. I don't love them. I I never really have been a fan of those kind of, you know, metaphysical, you know, leaving of reality in a film that just really kind of takes you out of it. I get why it works here. I, I just, it's not my favorite. Oh, I love it. I think it's goofy as shit. I agree that it's goofy as shit and it's a lot of fun. I just, the thing I truly love about this film is just how, like, how grounded it is. And if I had to pick a least favorite part of it, it would be those just because it's, it's so different from what I typically have as my favorite parts. I don't want to say they're bad. They're just my least favorite. All right. But I also wouldn't say that this movie is grounded. Why? It's just a dude going through life, man. Can't you picture any, you know, you could picture a guy like this, you know. Dude, they they get a sword pulled on them by punk emo nihilists in a parking lot after they set their car on fire. Say what you will about the tenets of national national socialism, but at least it's an ethos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, just great. Really what do you think about the relationship between um, uh, John Goodman and Steve Buscemi here? I think it's one of those friendships where you can relate to it. You you know 
you know, there's friends that just kind of get on ends with each other. At the end of the day, they're always going to be close friends. They're always going to, you know, drop what they're doing and help out whenever they can. But in the moment, you know, coming in and interrupting a story, something like that, always going to get on their nerves. And I just love that they have that kind of relationship and shows that. Yeah, it's one of the other things that I I don't think um, really sinks in right away. Um, Just the full scope of the dynamic of that relationship, which is that Walter Sobchak is very protective of Donnie, which, again, Mm -hmm. doesn't come through the first time or the first couple of times you watch it because it just seems like he's just giving him shit. But if you think about it, there is an there is definitely an essence of him just giving him shit there. That's for sure. But Walter also tries very hard to not involve Donnie in anything because I think he's he just is trying to look out for Donnie. And doesn't want him to get wrapped up in all that shit. You know, mm-hmm. I think Walter doesn't value his own safety as much as he values Donnie's. Um, the dude's already in it. So, you know, that is what it is. Um, but, you know, you really see it at the end when we get the very emotional moment where Donnie's dying. And then eventually when they have that very awkward hug at the end after spreading Donnie's ashes. Um, you know, I think it's clear that Walter has some issues with his ex-wife where he clearly has not accepted the fact that his ex-wife is his ex-wife and has no reason to you know help her out in any way the way he has and they show in this film and i think to that extent he kind of views the dude and donnie as his children in a in a sense he's like older but still children um and it's up to him to kind of protect them see them through make sure they end up okay things like that haven't yeah. really thought that fully through but you know what well i'm sticking with it i think it's a good thing to uh investigate i think it counts off the cuff um i'd also say as we kind of wrap up this one because we still have to at some point we have to talk about the other movie um yeah this no. is one of the most easy to rewatch movies I've ever come across in my entire oh my fucking God, life. Yeah. And it's so rare to have a movie that is this fucking rewatchable, especially one that, again, has so much going on, has so much plot, has so many characters. It is still such an easy romp for something that goes in so many directions. And I can't value that high enough when trying to decide if this movie is for you or not because if it clicks for you you will never stop watching this and i mean that in the best way oh my god yeah like it's so like i i really equate it to arrested development in the density and the style in which they try to express their jokes and express their humor they're not beating you over the head with it they're not you know giving dramatic pause, you know, to wait for you to laugh. It's just joke after joke, after joke, after joke, after joke. And you pick up what you pick up when you watch it. And it's always funny. But every time you go back, you pick up these little one-liners that are kind of said offhand and just that aren't the subject of the story. Throwing rocks tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Like this movie will also change bowling for you. 
Oh my god, yeah. Um, the the movie opens up. You know, the dude's coming home. He comes inside. The Jackie Treehorn thugs come in, shove him in the toilet. Nobody has any idea what's going on. He's asking him, demanding where the money is. Lets him up for air for the first time, and he's like. Oh, I don't know. It's down there, down somewhere. there somewhere. Let me <laughs> let me get another look. And it's just like, where's the no money? Shit, would any one of us react in that kind of way? And it just sets the tone for the rest of the film of just like, this guy's just on another level of relaxed and nice marmot. <laughs> uh, ha- hey, this is like a residence, man. <laughs> Uh, this movie will also ruin Chinaman just kind of came in and pissed on my rug. Dude, come on, that's not the preferred also, nomenclature. Dude, it's Chinaman's not the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> Chinaman is not the issue here. Uh, uh, also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Um <laughs> this movie will also absolutely ruin the Bob Dylan song The Man and Me <laughs> for you. If you liked that song, you will never be able to take it seriously again. I was going to argue, like, no, I still love that song, but, like, yeah, I never really took it seriously to begin with, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great song, and, like, it's, uh, you know, it's a Bob Dylan love song. Like, it's a good song, and then in this movie, now it's, I just picture Jeff Bridges flying around Los Angeles, and that is a wildly different image than what is supposed to be getting across from from this, but whatever. Um, Shall we give it ratings and reviews and, and or a star rating and a review and then move on to the other one? Okay. All right, Corbin, this is your movie. You start. Uh, the dude is probably my favorite comedic character, film character in a comedy um, in the history of cinema. I'd like to see you top it. I, I you know what? I think we should do do some some lists. Take a break one week of watching films reviewing or just have one film and then just be like hey what are your five favorite comedy characters what are your seven favorite female performance shit like that that'd be fun that's a cool idea off the cuff um everything's off the cuff today but yeah i, th- I think this film is utterly perfect just beautifully written beautifully made charming to a t um like josh said it's utterly rewatchable i I genuinely watch it two times a year at least um, and is just is perfect. It's a five out of five for me. Uh, I'm going to give this a five out of five as well. This is a flawless movie. Um, and again, down to the fucking details, the fact that at the beginning of the movie, the dude writes a check for 69 cents. <laughs> he goes to the store, he gets one carton of milk, has no money, writes a check for 69 cents, which, by the way, is a post-dated check. He post-dated a check for 69 cents. That's hilarious. Um, it's, it's an so, amazing. There's amazing. so many details in this film. So, because I think you get, that's why... The Cullen brothers are such easy filmmakers to love because they do very serious movies. You know, they 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 made um, No Country for Old Men is their their big you know super very famous serious one, and it's a great movie. And that level of detail and you know high art filmmaking or whatever goes into all their comedies as well, which is what makes them so fucking enjoyable. Um, 
so this is like I don't really care who you are. This is a movie for everybody. Um, maybe not for your eight year olds, but this is a movie for everybody. Um, there is one thing actually I wanted to ask you that I. <laughs> True. There is one thing I wanted to ask you that I forgot about. Um, Sam Elliott. Why do you think he's in this movie? Dude, I don't know. Why not? Voice of reason. Voice of clarity. Because he sounds awesome and has a great mustache. I've genuinely never once thought about that question. Really, it never, it it never stuck out to you like, hey, why is Sam Elliott the narrator? Why is Sam Elliott here in the middle of the movie when I thought he was the narrator? Why uh, why is he no. here at the end of the movie now? Like, does can- I, I usually take a method approach uh, to watching films. So when I watch The Big Lebowski, I you know I like to get in character, and that usually doesn't leave a whole lot of mental capacity for thinking of the reasonings behind the creation of characters. Okay. I mean, that didn't make any sense, but sure. I I think if you read between the lines, you could. Josh, I get high and watch this movie. Like, that's, that's the way it goes. So I, I usually don't think very deeply when I watch it. I mean, it's pretty surface level thinking here, but all right, I take your point. Uh, I, I, I honestly think he's just there to like make some type of epic convention out of the um, concept of just beginning, middle, and end. I think it really is just a very that's it type of feel. Um, the Coen brothers also have often some country. Th- themes some western themes in their films as big fans of westerns when they grew up um they remade a couple westerns like uh, true grit so i I, re- I think it's probably a very surface level reason but i was wondering if you had any insights which uh foolish of me to think but <laughs> anyway uh, no all right well then let's take it to our second film of the day that is 2021's mortal combat which was directed by Simon McQuoid, McQuoid, I guess. Um, The screenplay was written by too many people. It was written by, the screenplay is by Greg Russo and David Callaham. The story is by Oren Uziel and Greg Russo. It's based on the video game by Ed Boone and John Tobias. Uh, this film stars Lewis Tan, Jessica McNamee, and Josh Lawson. Uh, let's see. I don't have an estimated budget. $55 million? Um, which, yeah, I okay. I really hate that they spent $55 million on this film. Cumulative worldwide gross, at least what we know of, is $66.8 million. But again, this is a film that released in theaters as well as on HBO Max, and I'm, I'm sure most people who watch this probably watch this on HBO Max, just because it's cheaper. I can't imagine anyone went to theaters to watch this. Well, I mean, Gross USA is $34 million, so some people did. Um, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's tagline... Oh, God, this is awful. It's tagline is 
get over here. I don't even get that. I don't either. That's awful. Get over here. I feel like that has to be a, a, a line from this, the, the game. I believe it is, but I also didn't play this game enough as a kid to remember that. So whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, it's something that it's a line that Scorpion says in a game. Uh, this film is about an MMA fighter. Cole young seeks out earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high stakes battle for the universe. This was my pick. So I'll get started. I kind of loved it. I got to say, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed how stupid this movie was. And I'll tell you why, Corbin, because I know you hate it. Because um, you sent me a very angry Snapchat while you were watching this. And I can hear all your groans. You're this, out of your fucking mind, you psychopath. This movie is, is nothing. Hold on. This movie is nothing but set up for fights. If you went into this movie expecting anything other than that, you're a fucking idiot. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a movie based on a video game that basically has no plot and is just people fighting. Like, at, it, at, at its plot. core. I mean, I think the version most people probably played was the arcade version where you just line up person to person and then fight combos. You know what I mean? Like, I, Truth. That is... I've played the console version and I've played the arcade version, but I've played the arcade version significantly more times than I played like the console version. And that will always be my memory of it. So that's kind of what I went into this movie expecting um, was weak setup for a bunch of cool fights. And I think they did a great job giving you as little setup as possible because holy shit, does it really not matter that much? And then giving you as much fighting as possible, which is all I'm really here for. And uh, that's all I wanted to see. So I'm good. I'm totally cool here. Corwin, tell me your experience. Um, I'll will clarify. I've only ever played the console version. Um, that being said, this was unwatchable drivel. And I truly would have turned this off after about three and a half minutes if it wasn't for us watching this for the podcast. And I cannot, even accepting it for what it is, because you you know that I am not attempting to view this as anything more than just a, a mortal, like it's mortal combat. Nobody is going into this with any expectations. And yet I was still disappointed just by how fucking bad it was. There are no redeemable qualities in this film for me. It had bad CGI. It had bad acting. It had bad editing. Bad. Like I turned it on and I thought it was in the incorrect aspect ratio and was stretched to fit my TV because of how poorly that opening scene was shot and how it was composed. It was so bad. I just could not sitting through it for like an hour and a half, two hours, however long this fucking movie was, could not find a single redeemable quality that I enjoyed other than like the one liners that would just get thrown thrown around like it was a video game. But if you're watching two hour, two hours of a film just for some one liners, just go play the game. 
and actually have fun. Oh, I just hated this. It was a piece of shit. I like the editing. <laughs> Fuck off. I did. I I thought that they did a great job with the fight scenes. Oh, you're out of your minds. They cut between every single hit. Like there was no continuity. No, they didn't. In the Corbin Heller, you and I have both lived through many, many mid 2000 to late 2000 action films where there was and a it, jump cut every two like seconds. Taken. And this felt like taken. No. Oh, my dude. It was not anywhere near taken. You're insane. I thought they did a good job with the fight scenes. I really do. I mean, yeah, I mean, they were the least bad parts of this movie outside of those one-liners. It, it's a fight movie. They have fight scenes. I did not so, find the fight scenes out. I, I genuinely didn't find them enjoyable because is, I don't think they were all that good. I didn't think the stunts were good. I didn't think the CGI think with the, the fights were, were good. good. I mean, no, I'll give you the didn't. CGI. The CGI was bad. I thought that I thought that the the choreography for the fights was great. I I really didn't at all. I I just so had... what what is your experience with with like fight movies? Like were 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 you a fan of like Bloodsport? Uh, have not seen that. So what is your experience with like you know fight movies? Have uh, you seen the Raid? Jackie Chan, a lot of Jackie Chan movies, which I'm sure has something to do with it because. He actually does all that, and they don't cut away from anything. They do a insane amount of choreography to make everything look as real as possible, and that's always been my benchmark because that's how it's supposed to be done to make it watchable and believable. None of that really carried over to this, and it's just... It's it's it was garbage. garbage, garbage, garbage. Well, uh, all right. So outside of Jackie Chan movies, like what, well, like anything else? Um, I mean, I feel like the John Wick movies would count. Oh, That's not that. really. They're very shoot 'em up, and those are bad. There's very, there's very a bad. ton of like hand to hand, you know, close personal things like that. Uh, I don't know. Which I would also argue those movies have a lot more jump cuts than this does. Yeah, but again, like. It's grounded. Everything in that movie feels real. Feels oh, Corwin plausible, Heller, do not. No, no, no. You watch Nowhere that movie. Nowhere in think, those movies is it grounded or possible. He kills 50 people at a clip and then just keeps his day moving. There's an underground system of assassins that all know each other and like live in normal society. And he murders an astonishing you're, you're number You're not understanding what I'm meaning time. by saying grounded. Like, obviously, none of that would happen in the world that we live in today in reality it's all plausible you no, can have that no, suspension it's, That's what it's, I'm saying. <laughs> it's a it's a movie josh you're not understanding what i'm saying it's plausible is that you could have your suspension of disbelief and say hey if something like this were to occur in our world nothing here nothing i'm watching is saying oh that is so far-fetched and outside the laws of physics that I can't believe something like that would happen. So, so your basis for grounded is anything other than what, like literal dragons? There's <laughs> like, plausible. No, there's a level of plausibility. Like Game of Thrones, the way that's implemented in that world, that seems real. That feels real. Nothing like this in this film felt real. Uh, it's, I, you, you have a definition that I think definitely makes sense to you. 
and you can define and characterize and have function with in your movie watching experience that I don't think anybody else is actually going to use. I think that it's because I have such a poor ability of expressing myself through words that it is not coming across well. Because anyway, where I was going with it was if you had seen um, any like Jackie Chan movies are, are very different because Jackie Chan movies employ a lot of comedy, practical stunts, and honestly, just better filmmaking. I'm talking about your movies like The Raid um, and basically every every single Jean-Claude Van Damme film, but especially Bloodsport. And essentially what these types of movies are, which Mortal Kombat absolutely is in the mold of, is here is some pretty weak setup. Um, here's a bunch of characters you don't really care about. And then here's them fighting for 65 out of the 80 to 90 minutes that this movie occupies. And that's the expectation. Like if you watch Bloodsport, which is a very famous fight movie, which is why it's the first one that came to mind. Um, as a movie, it is not a good movie. It is a very bad movie. <laughs> the love story in it is insane. <laughs> the reason why all the fighters there is very loose. And like how they actually get there is hilarious. Like it, none, it, like the, the plot is just bad. And Jean-Claude Van Damme is not a good actor. And like everything is wrong with it. But you are there because, hey, these fights are pretty cool. And I'm having a good time watching all the stupid fucking fights. And that's the expectation for it. Jackie Chan movies actually have quality <laughs> so it's it's hard to go one for one on you know it's like comparing um it's like it would be like comparing this movie to like million dollar baby like yeah they're both about fighting but are they really in the same genre here you know like there's a genre shift that takes place so the there. genre is shitty is just shitty movies like the shitty genre, fighting movies no the genre is camp the genre is campy fighting this Jackie Chan movies are like, here's a guy who can actually do all this shit, and we're just gonna like plop him in the Bronx, right? These movies are like, let's take WWE and make a kung fu movie like that. That's the expectation shift. You you went into this, I think, expecting to watch Penn State national title wrestling, and no. you got Monday Night Raw, and you were not ready for Monday Night Raw. No, I went into this expecting exactly what we got out of it. And it was still it was exactly what I expected with I should garbage. say that your 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 expectation of the genre then. I just don't like this genre. I can't like I'm scrolling through Google like trying to find films that would fit this, you know, campy, you know, guilty pleasure fighting action movie that I enjoy and I have yet to find one. Oh, man, that's so sad. It's just, I don't know, like, if I want to sit down for two straight hours and watch a movie, I don't want to watch a bad movie that's just guys fighting. There's other ways to getting that kind of entertainment, and it's just, it's just not a genre that I care for in any conceivable way so did you grow up watching like um 
like Ip Man or uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other famous ones that I watched when I was younger. Um, yeah, oh, any any like Bruce Lee movies when you were a kid? Yeah, like Bruce Lee and and Chuck Norris. Like those were like those were great. Like those were great films. Like right up there with Jackie Chan, where it's like, all right. This is a good fight. This is an enjoyable fight. Okay, now you, you have done a, a huge disservice to the fight movie community by mentioning Bruce Lee and, and Chuck Norris in the same breath because, oh my movie. God, Chuck Norris movies are awful, <laughs> especially in comparison right. to Bruce Lee. And the fight scenes in, in Bruce Lee movies are so much better than the fight scenes in Chuck, every Chuck Norris the, movie. The only, the only movie I'm referring to of Chuck Norris is The Way of the Dragon. Which is a Bruce Lee movie. Right, the, which is why I said Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, because that's the movie that came to mind. Bruce Lee's right. The Way of the Dragon, and Chuck Norris is just as famous as Bruce Lee, and it's just right there. Hard not to mention him. Uh, I don't have a hard time with it, but okay. Do um, you ever watch, like, Kickboxer? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, because I, I, I think that therein lies the difference, because... I get that you don't like the genre, and I, I get that you're, you know we're going to keep coming back to that. But I think that's why it's connecting with me is that like growing up with movies that have outlandish fights, and that being really just the point of the movie is, hey, look at all that them there fighting. Um, this movie f- does that, you know, like big outlandish fight scenes. That is this movie. It is plot doesn't matter. I honestly couldn't have cared less about it and it didn't focus on it very much. And I'm glad it didn't because I really didn't give a shit acting. But at the no, end I don't of the give day, a you shit. You can have these big fight, you know, pl- like you could have these massive fight scenes. You could have a movie just based around fighting and still have it on the platform of a well-made film. Like it doesn't have to be this much garbage just to get fights out of it. You know, like getting good action scenes is not like you don't need to have a shitty film just to focus. Like you don't need to surrender the rest of the movie making process just to focus in on fight scenes and to make a movie like Mortal Kombat where you have these outrageous characters I get get your point, but it's very reductionist. It's like it's like you don't need to have a bad movie to get good dick jokes, but we have good movies, but we have movies that we like that are bad movies that have good dick jokes. Like right. and that but doesn't stop day, you from enjoying those talking movies. and reviewing this movie and you no, know, you're I, arguing I know. like, oh, this is just what I wanted. It's like, well, we could have had this, but as a good movie. I know, but again, it's not Corbin, a good movie, it's a bad movie. <laughs> Corin, you can say that about any movie you get any enjoyment out of that is also acknowledging as being a less than perfect movie. We Corin, you defended some awful movies on this podcast because you enjoy them despite their flaws because they fill some void for you and saying that yes they could have done this but it could have also been a good movie is a fucking stupid point that's every movie i think i'm really just getting at like you went into this is like oh this was great this is exactly what i wanted and i hated it so vehemently that i'm taking offense to it or by it and that's that's just on me if you like it and you enjoy it, power to you. I still don't think it's a good movie, and that's fine. And that's the it's thing. I also will agree. This is not a good movie. I will also admit I fully enjoyed it. 
But it was not a good movie. Oh. Do you ever watch like Kung Fu Hustle? Yes. See, that's a good movie. Yes, because it's a well-made movie. But it's also goofy and stupid. Right. They're not, you know, uh, what's the term for it? Mutually exclusive. That is true. Um, yeah, I really don't have, because like, if we sat here and got into the plot of this, it doesn't fucking matter. It's we got into character development, fucking doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Like, literally, ag- again, the the only is reason there... I enjoyed this is because it had the again. fights. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Is there a single character in this film that you care about in any capacity? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. Fuck no. Um, every character here is a body that will eventually get in a fight. And that's really all that matters to me, if we're being honest. Again, like, we are, I came into this discussion, and I, you know, I, I'm sure you did too, expecting to basically just talk about this part of it, because the rest of it really, really doesn't matter, and is not done well, because I think the makers of this film also decided, boy, does it not matter. Like, the type of person who's going to put this movie on, the type of person who's going to put on Mortal Kombat is not Corwin Heller. It's not someone looking for good character development. It, the type of person to put this movie on is expecting big guys with four arms who are going to try to rip that skinny dude apart and then get hit with a car and stop. And then why they hit him with the car? Uh, they don't know. No one knows. It was a fucking stupid thing to do, but they did this it. Is, and now they're scared. This is meant for children with parents that don't really care oh this is totally a movie i would have watched when i was like nine or ten this is absolutely a movie that like my dad would have wanted to watch and he'd be like yeah just stay and watch and then i'd be like wow he's holding his guts isn't he yeah like that one dude literally gets sawed in half that was which fucking I will hilarious. say a redeemable quality of this film by all means is they did make a lot of references to the game which they needed to because it's a video game movie but uh, and they I mean, didn't they knew dial what back they were on making. the gore right like the, at the end of the day they knew what they were making they knew what their goal was they knew it was going to be a piece of shit and while I don't necessarily agree that that's acceptable, I will agree that it's 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 fine. Yeah, I think there are I I making movies based on video games in general, I'm sure is very challenging because video games care about character development to a certain extent and they care about storylines, you know, depending on the game. They care about storylines to a certain extent. But you have so much more time and room to do it in a video game and to lay it out the way that you want it to, plus with the way that, depending on, again, depending on the game, the way that the character plays the game, that translating into a movie can be very challenging. And there have not been a lot of good video game to movie adaptations, largely for those reasons. Um and so it, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, you know, they could change this, this, and this to make the story better. Because if we're, again, if we're being honest here, um, wow, I mean, the story is just like so fucking bad. Um, but at the same time, it, it's like, how much do you want to stick to the game's actual plot line? How much do you want to leave room for sequels? 
blah, 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 blah. And somewhere in that constraint that is either real or, you know, fictitious, whatever, you know, out of nowhere, um, it leads to certain choices being made that are certainly interesting. But um, again, at the end of the day, I didn't give a shit. So I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about this or shall we just move into our uh, rating and review? Or uh, uh, stars. Don't make a sequel to this. Oh, you know they're going to. Because the guy at the end said, I'll be back with uh, with an army next time or whatever. Please don't do it. You know what's happening. And you know, and you know we're going to talk about it. Just don't do it. Oh my God, Josh. I will quit this fucking podcast if you make me watch the sequel to this. Buckle up, Buttercup. Fuck. <laughs> whatever. I got like five years before it's made. Right, oh, this was my pick, so I should start. Um, this is this is a, a, a bad movie, but it's my kind of bad movies. This is a fun movie for me. Um, I'm going to give this a three out of five. On, and that is on the Josh scale. I would actively recommend this movie to people, depending on who they are, because I had a fun time watching it, um, even though this is not good. It's the same type of thing where it's like, you know, you kind of got to judge horror movies on a different scale because they make very few actually good ones. Um, that's this movie for me. There's a fight movie scale for me that has a, pretty, a much more lenient um, grading curve. So locking it in three out of five. Everyone should watch this required watching. See, now you're just doing it to fuck with me. <laughs> and that drives me nuts. Um no. Uh, I finished this movie, so I can't give it a zero. That's the one rule I have with myself. Um, so I'm going to give it a 0.5. Lovely. Lovely. All right. Two very different movies on the court one scale here today. Uh, all right. So then I guess let's get into to next week's picks. Corwin Heller, what you got? Uh, I'm going with Nocturnal Animals 2016 drama. Did I watch this? I haven't. Nocturnal Animals. I have no idea. Wait. No, okay, no, never mind. Alright, cool. Nocturnal Animals. Locked it in. Um, I'm going to go with a movie I haven't seen in a while. I've been wanting to rewatch some Pedro Almodovar's films because he fucking rocks. So I think I I think I'm going to go. Uh, yeah. Locking it in. I'm going to go with all about my mother. Hmm. Never heard of 1999's all about my mother. Uh, are we going to awaken some things in you, Josh? Are we going to have to have a therapy session before next week's episode? Oh, let's hope so, buddy. Um, all right, so that's it. Twenty, what is it? Twenty sixteen, yeah. Twenty sixteen's Nocturnal Animals. Nineteen ninety nine's All About My Mother. Those are the two films for next week. Check them out before the show, or don't. Not our fucking job to care what you do. Um, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at uh, uh, Big Screen Juice. We don't post there very often, so if you want to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you want to send us emails, you can do so at juicingthebigscreen at gmail.com. And that's it, folks. So until Tuesday of next week, y'all have a good one. What